You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. You know, okay, so my hope and my prayer this morning is that we will all repent. Might be a little forthright, I know. I don't want to hide any cards from you. That's what I'm going for. All right, and, and part of the get up and move, I think, um, is because we just get so comfortable, right? We get so, um, we get so used to where we've always been, what we've always done. We can get so comfortable that we can get stuck in our own ways, and it takes um, something to jar us from our seats, something to get us to move, something to get us to move in the direction towards God. This last week, like I said, I was at a conference, um, and it was more than a conference. You know, this is called, it's called the New Room Conference, and Bob and I went last year, and then we brought David Freeman, who's one of the other preachers, and our uh, outreach coordinator, Krista, with us. So there was four of us that went this year. And this conference is, is unlike some others that I've been to, uh, because it's a bunch of believers getting together, not, not to learn a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, there's learning, but it's to seek the Holy Spirit. It's a bunch of people who are gathering together to pray for a movement of God. And there is something about um, being near to other Christians who are seeking the presence of God, seeking and praying for a movement of the Holy Spirit that just, it calls out of me the need to change myself. How can I pray for um, an awakening in the world if I do not have, if I've not had a personal awakening in my own heart, right? How can I pray for others' lives to be transformed in light of the gospel if my life has not been transformed in the light of the gospel? And man, this was hitting me all week. I'm telling you, you spend time in the presence of God, he's going to call you to repentance. Because sin keeps us from God, <laughs> So this week, I'm going to share with you. I just want to, I want to, some of you didn't think you'd have to come this morning and, and be asked to repent. I know. But I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you what I needed to repent from. Three or four things. One, uh, too much TV in my life. I've been watching too much TV in the evenings. And on top of that, the TV that I've been watching is, you know, it's not like mature content, but it's, 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 not, uh, it's not fruitful to my soul. It's not helpful. I need to get rid of that. God, I repented of that. Um, greed and materialism. God said to me, Jake, you've been, you've been sp- spending way too much time, you've been focusing way too much on, on this future that doesn't even, it doesn't even exist yet, um, but just, just wanting things, wanting to be comfortable, wanting a bigger house, wanting a, a, a better car, right? Wanting to be comfortable in life that is sin, get rid of it, repent. <laughs> so I repented of that this last week. I had to repent of laziness at my job. Not working 
when I know I need to be working. So God, I, <laughs> I repent of that. And there was one more thing that I can't think of at the top of my head. There were four things. But point is, I share these things with you because we need to be open about these things. We do not need to hide from our sins. In fact, quite the opposite. We need to stop hiding from what is so blatantly true and obvious in our church is that we are in a time where there's a great need for repentance and it starts with me. We're seeking to answer this question this morning, where did we go wrong? In other words, what in the heck is wrong with this world? What happened to this world? How have things gotten so bad? What happened to my life, right? The life that I, I intended to live. What happened to, to your life? What happened to our, our family? What happened to our country, right? What happened to our church? What has happened? Where did we go wrong? And while it's tempting to point the finger at institutions like the church or the government or to point the finger at our parents or to point the finger at a whole host of, of, of different reasons as to why things have gone wrong, the reality is I have sinned. J. Oswald Smith said that the heart of the human problem is what? Anyone? The problem of the human heart. The heart of the human problem is a problem of the human heart. And so today, we cannot answer this question, where do we go wrong, without addressing the reality of sin. Not in general, not out there, not in their lives, or in your life, but in my life. Right? We've got to start there. And to do so, we're going to read from the iconic scripture Genesis 3, the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. To recap this story, I'll give you a kind of a precursor to what happened leading up to it. God has created the world and everything in it. He's created man and woman in the image of himself. He's put them in a garden that is a type of paradise. He's set them to tend to the garden, and he's told them that, uh, that they can eat from any tree, in the garden that they want, except for one, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't eat from that one. Why? Because if you do, you will surely die. And then at the end of chapter two, um, it says this, the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So there's this picture of paradise, this picture of innocence, this picture of right relationship between humans and between God, right? Our lateral relationships, also our vertical relationships, right? And so there's just, all is well, and then chapter 3 begins here. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent, in comes the enemy. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, Neither shall you touch it. You like how she adds that a little bit? Lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. 
So one thing I want us to understand about Genesis chapter 3 is that, okay, some people, um, there are a couple different ways to read this. Some people read this literally as a, as a literal uh, historical account of events that happened in history. Adam and Eve were literally the first two human beings. Cre- uh, the earth was created in seven days. It's, I mean, you, and that's fair. That's fair. That is not how I read it, but many people in here do, and that's all right. The other way to read it is that, that it's as an allegory, right? And that, that it's a story that's told not to depict historical events literally, but it's told to convey certain truths and meaning about life. That's how I read this story, and, and there are really smart people on both sides who read the story in both, both different ways. The point is, is that whether you read it literally or allegorically, this is not just something that happened a long time ago to two people, all right? Either way you read it, this is our story. So when we read chapter 3, I'm saying you could spend a lifetime in Genesis 3. I could anyway. Maybe it's just because I'm a preacher. But, but there is so much truth in this story. When you look at this and you say, this is me, we begin to ask the question, why did I sin? What was the root of the original sin? Not just a long time ago, but in me. Why did I sin? Uh, People have debated for a long time that the root of all sin is, uh, maybe it's pride. Is it pride uh, in, in a more classical sense, like self-centeredness, right? Like, rather than worshiping God, I worship self. Rather than lifting up God, I seek to lift up myself. Rather than serving God, I serve myself, right? I could go on, but it says it's self-centeredness. All I do is for me, it's about me, right? Oh, that's the other thing I had to repent from this last week. <laughs> God just showed me, so much of what you do is about you, Jake. Self-centeredness. So, so you could argue that all sin is rooted in self-centeredness. Maybe you could argue, uh, as some have, that it's rooted in uh, uh, doubt, right, or distrust in God's word, right? They, 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 didn't, they didn't believe what God said. They lacked the faith to stay faithful to him even when they didn't quite understand, okay? You could argue that, or some might even argue that, that the root of all sin is fear, maybe for them, uh, Adam and Eve, the fear of missing out. Right? We've all felt that, right? This, this underlying fear behind all the bad decisions we've ever made is this idea that if I don't do this, I'll miss out on something. If I don't get this, or I don't have this, or I don't go there, I don't, there's something I'm going to be missing out on, right? And there's a fear that, that we don't want to miss out, so it drives us to do what we know we shouldn't. Whether it's fear, whether it's doubt, whether it's pride, there are all kinds of reasons that we might sin. You could argue it's, it's, it's all three of them or a combination and, and you might be made to be more prideful. You might be made to be more fearful. You get, none of that matters. What I want to understand is we, what I want you to understand is we cannot overlook this fourth factor. It is the serpent. It is the enemy. It's deception. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether I'm inclined towards pride or I'm inclined towards fear or doubt or more specifically anger or uh, lust or gluttony. or I mean, It doesn't matter what my particular bent is towards sin. What matters is that the only power that the enemy has over us is his power to deceive us. It is that we have believed the lies of the enemy 
before believing the promises of God. We have trusted in the goodness somehow of the enemy and his lies before trusting in the goodness of God. We've allowed the enemy to show us how his ways play out before we've allowed God to show us how his promises play out, right? We've not walked the righteous path, so we've not seen how God is so good. Is deception the root of all sin? Is deception. I think this is so important. Because every time that you've sinned, every, every, every way that you've sinned, you can trace it back to a lie that you've believed. What is that lie? I'm going to name a few. I'm just going to, what are a few of the lies that we believe? Well, in fact, what are the few of the lies that we tell each other? I want to, see, because Satan, he deceives Eve but then Eve just hands the fruit to her husband. So it's almost like she, do, she does the work for Satan. And I, I feel sometimes like Satan in our culture doesn't even have to work that hard. He's done his work. He's won over some souls. And now we're just feeding each other the forbidden fruit, right? And then we got to call it out. No, what's the truth? This stuff is harming you. So I'm going to call it out, guys. I can't sit idly by and, and, and feed you forbidden fruit and let you feed it to each other. So, so let's name it. Uh, greed in our culture. Greed. We are greedy, materialistic people. Oh, my word. Let's just name it, man. Come on. Tell it like it is. We are captivated by things, by comfort, busyness. And by busyness, maybe you're like me, and my tendency is actually to not work enough, right? So it's not, I'm not saying busy as in you work too much even necessarily. I'm saying busy as in like every waking moment that you have that could be free, where you could be silent, where you could be still, where you could be present in life, it's, you're on your phone. Or your mind is going, or you're thinking, you know what I mean? It's that kind of, that, that busyness that is just totally just destructive to the soul, um, Man, sex. I mean, there's, there's, there's good and healthy boundaries for sex. We all know that. But then there's the way that our culture just propagates this. this um, oh, it's everywhere. And we cut corners and we make excuses. And the things that we, that we watch, the things that we uh, find pleasing to the eye, um, we just, sex has gotten the best of us. How about this one? Social media. I'm done with it. I'm not telling you you got to get rid of it, but I'm, t- I'm done with it. I've deleted all my social media accounts since the beginning of the summer. It's the best decision I ever made. <laughs> best decision I ever made. How much time do you spend following people or mindlessly scrolling through people or reading uh, ridiculous rants on or just, I mean, I could go on and on, or thinking about what your next post is going to be and how it's going to be perceived or just, I mean, guys, really... And what does, that, what does that take away from your soul? What does that steal from you? Those are some of the big ones that I wanted to highlight. And if I hit a nerve, well, I hope I hit a nerve, that's good. I'm guessing that you respond something like this because this is how we all respond. Verse 7. 
Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths, right? There's this inclination we have when sin is exposed. We feel exposed. We feel the need to cover, protect ourselves, to hide. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, they hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. We'll get back to this one. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so we end with a bunch of finger pointing. (laughs) I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this uh, right now. Get out of your system. I want you to look at me. I want you to point your finger at me and say, it's your fault. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, come on. You got, you got to do better than that. Let's go. Like, get some anger out. Get some aggression out. One, two, three. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, if I can take that, then you can take me doing this. It's your fault. All right. It's your fault. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. When you stop pointing fingers... We need to look in, inside ourselves, take responsibility for what we've done. And beyond that, in answering the question, where do we go wrong? All right? You know, we've all sinned. We, we know this. We all have continued to sin in one way or another. We know this. Um, and it is very, very likely, um, in, in fact, certain, that every one of us in this room will, will sin again. I just know that. I'm psychic or something. Um, So where do we go wrong? Yeah, we sinned. But you know where else we went wrong? Even more so, the thing that we can actually control is that we hid from the presence of the Lord. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. In their shame, in their guilt, they hid themselves from his presence. In light of what God has done for us, in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us, in light of the gospel, we no longer need to hide. That's the incredible gift, right? And that's where we, if there's anything that I want to get across to you this morning, it is that, okay, we sin, I want want you to repent, I want you to stop sinning, yes, I get that, but when you sin again, when you sin again, Stop hiding from God. It is the saddest thing in the world when we keep ourselves from God because we're ashamed to be seen by him. We have this notion that God hates being around sinners. I've said this before, right? But um, but that's not true at all. It's not that God hates being around sinners. It's that sinners can't stand being around God. Isn't that true? I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> There's just this, man, I've sinned. I know, God, I just can't even, I, I just can't be in your presence. But guys, if we kept reading this story, we're not going to because it's a lot of scripture, but there's, um, there's the gospel like one paragraph down. It's like the third page of your, your Bible and we're already getting into the gospel here. He says to the serpent, I'm gonna put enmity between you and the woman. 
Between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is known as the Proto-Evangelum, the first gospel message right here in Genesis chapter 3. And it's God telling the serpent, there will one day come a man born of woman, a human being on this earth who will crush your head for good, who will wipe out the power that you have to keep my people from me. And the mark of a mature Christian is someone who stops running from God. 